Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Virgil Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we are launching our eighth season. I cannot believe how um, blessed and excited we are to um, be embarking upon our eighth season in this journey of having flip side conversations and helping you, our listeners, um, and even my own story and understanding what we've been through does not define where we have the potential to go. And this particular season, we're actually dedicating the entire season to this conversation of health, healing, wellness. And I'm excited for us to be a part of this very first conversation in the series, acknowledging some really hard statistics. So let me just share a couple of them. Black patients represent as much as a third of all patients in the United States receiving dialysis for kidney failure, even though disproportionately, they don't represent anywhere near that portion of U.S. population. African-Americans are generally at a higher risk for heart disease, stroke, cancer, asthma, emphysema, pneumonia, and diabetes. And they are two times more likely to be suffering from heart disease, 50% more likely to have high blood pressure. Yes, we are dedicating our entire season eight to discussing indicators, choices, and action steps to create a flip in our own health stories and specifically focusing on the health journey of black and brown communities. We're excited to kick off this conversation with our guest, Christopher Field. She is a healthcare professional who has turned farmer. (laughs) She's a lifelong Philadelphian. And after a trip to Martinique in 2018, she returned home inspired to connect with the land, plant life, and social issues that heavily impact Black and Brown communities, and also broadening the awareness for everyone about their perception of food. Her business is a reincarnation of her healthcare career with a focus on regeneration and nutrition security. Since 2018, she's developed Earthborn brands based in regenerative agriculture values with a goal of traceable and transparent origins of 100% organically dope foods. Another brand that she has launched is also Viva Leaf Tea and her farmer, John Agriculture. They're both two ventures that she has now been operating and has established as a nonprofit 
Anne is a part of a multi-site location that takes up 120 acres of land. Her mission is to train and educate the nation's next black and brown agripreneurs. Please join me in starting and kicking off our healing health and wellness journey for season eight right here on the flip side of adversity radio with krista barfield welcome to the conversation krista oh thank you so much dr jackson so happy to be with you today I have absolutely, I've become like a fan. I, I don't know if you, you see people who have been clicking on your videos and, <laughs> and, and, and your posts, um, because I just love everything about your commitment and your passion that every time I've seen you speak just shows up so authentically. And you. can you tell us a little bit more in your own words, your own flip side flip story <laughs> <laughs> that has landed us here? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, agriculture is, I would say, new in, in many ways to me and it always has new beginnings. But I am a healthcare professional first. I, I grew up around health. My mother is a nurse practitioner, so uh, and she worked in the ICU and this uh, the SICU. So she was around sick people, and I just watched her do that work. And I knew I was going to be a nurse. Like that was it. I was like, I'm going to do what my mom does. I'm going to be a nurse. Um, so I always had this love of healthcare that that came from her. And then as I went on through my journey. I went straight biology out of out of um, high school and was like, okay, I'm going to be a bio major. But in high school, I was in the, on the health track. So all of these things, all, I just knew that that was my life, right? I love science. I was passionate about that. I was in many science fairs throughout um, my adolescence. And to work in a a healthcare profession um, is easier said than done, <laughs> as we all know. Yes. Uh, at some point, I, I veered, and that was that point was in 2018 when I found myself burnt out. I worked in a very high volume practice. Um, I practice saw over 200 patients per day, and I was held a lot of responsibility in that last practice I was in, and. Um, burnt out. <laughs> I literally mm -hmm. burnt out. And that's something that I think many people have been or are ashamed to say, but it makes no sense that I was walking into a healthcare facility every single day and not paying attention to my own health. And so that was January 2nd of 2018 when I realized that a change had to be made. I sat down at my laptop, I read an email from my boss at the time, and I made a decision in that moment that I was no longer going to go down this path and that I was resigning. And uh, after resigning, I, I took a vacation, my very first time out of the country. And uh, it was right on, on the heels of, of my turning 30. So January 2nd, I, I resigned. I gave three weeks. January 22nd, I was on a plane to Martinique. And in between that, I had turned 30. So it was uh, a, a year of renewal in so many ways for me. And it led me, that trip led me to agriculture, which was very unexpected. It is so powerful to listen first to your bravery, to really acknowledge and say out loud, you know what? I cannot 
fully be who I am intended to be when I am worn down, worn out, and burned out. And that there there is a responsibility that we have in taking care of ourselves so that we can absolutely um, do things passionately but with strength, physical strength, mm-hmm. emotional yeah. strength, <laughs> all mental things strength, are <laughs> all of it, all of it. And if we're coming from a burnout place, just as you said, so many people are afraid to tell that truth. Um, and so just I thank you for your courage. Mm-hmm. And I also appreciate the the ability to it's almost like when you were talking, I was thinking she came back to rebrand, rebirth, and what she produced and continues to produce has a rebirthing. She's in the soil. She's committed to bringing new information and new opportunities to everyone that you touch. But there's a piece to your bio that says, you know, you're really actually also very committed to the social issues of Um, the communities that you serve. We are physically in and around the Philadelphia community. And I shared on my social media posts all throughout the week in preparation for today, the heartbreaking numbers in association with food deserts and food insecurities within our communities. Can you, I'd like for you to kind of share and explain to others who may not know um, what a food desert is and how does that connect to the passion of Farmer John? Yes, you know, food deserts, that's such a big question because um, there's so many different definitions as defined by various people, but Farmer John's definition of a food desert is when you cannot easily and accessibly access healthy food. And I mean, when I say healthy, I do mean nutrient dense because that word healthy is also relative. So nutrient dense, having actual nutrition, which starts at the soil level, um, how your food was grown, who's that farmer that took care of it, um, what methods and practices do they follow? All of those details is really what dictates what healthy food is. And if you live in an area where that level of food and care how, of how food is grown is not available to you, you live in a food desert. Um, other definitions are if you don't live within a, a mile of a grocery store, if you don't live within walking distance of fresh produce and fresh foods. So uh, I like to go deeper because I want to put pressure on, on our community to really seek higher. You deserve better. You deserve the best. And there's a way for that is attainable. And uh, the society and the way that we've been doing food for so long will have you believe that um, it's not, <laughs> you know, you get what you what you get. And all these uh, these larger big box stores that put their names uh, that say that they are you know, organic and fresh. Really, that food is still coming from 1500 miles away. And we have no idea who grew that food. And it's grown in big ag because big ag is the only and when I say big ag, that's agriculture industry. Um, that's the only enterprise that could feed a whole nation. And you can't feed a whole nation if you're growing sustainably. <laughs> and if your food is nutrient dense. So if you are seeing any, um, in particular brands of produce that are all available all across the state, and they only have one farm in one central location, 
that food is, is no way that food is as nutrient dense as it could be if you supported a local farmer. And with that, you actually are heading up a movement, and I love this, reinventing the corner store. Tell us yeah. more about that concept. Yeah, I'm really excited about this project. It's, it's been in the making since 2020. I literally took a walk in my neighborhood. I'm from the northwest side of Philadelphia and Germantown specifically. And in northwest Philly, there's a main street that runs through the whole uh neighborhood and that's germantown avenue and germantown avenue also stretches through other parts of the city but specifically in northwest there are three main neighborhoods that on that also run along with it and that's germantown mount airy and chestnut hill and so for those who are listening wherever you are do some research on these three communities in particular because you can literally see when you start from germantown and you start making your way up you can see the change in food security. And that change in food security also just so happens to change the color of people's skin as well. Wow. So the neighborhood, it you can see systemic racism and how this how our in the Industrial Revolution took took a path. Um, that's just in line with the way our nation was built, the exploitation of black and brown bodies. And so we have to be knowledgeable of this because if you are doing what's convenient, you're going to your corner store. And what's in your corner store is foods that are coming from boxes that are high in sodium and sugars, foods that are coming from cans, again, high in sodium and sugar. And you know, you're just putting so many things in your body that you deserve, that you don't deserve and you deserve way, way much more and much better. And it also, uh, allows me to think about the preparation of our foods. So this corner store is, it's a reincarnation of my healthcare career, as is everything that I do now. I, I still believe myself to be a healthcare uh, professional because I am doing the work of ensuring people understand how they can be their best and healthiest selves, how they can be at a level of optimal wellness by the food that they're eating. And the only way to actually do that is to make it accessible. And uh, so the corner store, which is also, it now has a name, Redefining the Corner Store locations um, are opening up. Two of them are opening this year in two sections of the city with the lowest health outcomes. One is Germantown and one is in Kensington. And uh, they will have soup, salads, and sandwiches. They will have a number of different snacks that we love and are used to, like sunflower seeds and different and potato chips. But it's grown with food who we know the farmers. A lot of that food is coming from Farmer Joan ourselves. And we are building our own kitchen so that we can process and make these foods ourselves. So we can really be intentional about where that food is really coming from, from every step, from the out of the ground, the hands of the chef, onto the shelf into that person's home. You are giving back power for people to make choices that can directly impact the statistics that I shared at the very beginning. If we recognize that this didn't just happen by happenstance, that statistically um, and systemically, the this the the traditional concept of the corner store which is usually bags of chips sodas all those kinds of things and not having access to healthy foods and then creating 
um, a ripple effect where our immune systems begin to break down, our um, literal body strength, the way we show up, all of that is connected and takes us back to how close are you to the earth? How close are you to the earth? And you have a commitment to reconnect black and brown people to soil. Can you can you walk us through that vision, that passion? Yes, you know, I get so excited and emotional at the same time about this very topic because this is near and dear to black people and we don't even know it. We don't even know how deep it goes and I didn't even know it. So as I continue to get deeper into agriculture and understanding um, my whys, my whys continue to evolve. And that's the beauty of, of this, uh, this, what Farmer John is and what it was and what it's becoming. And um, in 1900s, in the early 1900s, around the 1910s and 20s, there were over 1 million Black-owned farms. And that's specifically Black-owned farm land. Like Black people had land. Uh, in their lineage, a lot of that came after um, slavery was supposedly had ended, as we all know the truth around that. But, you know, land was being given by some of the uh, colonizers that were essentially giving land back to, to the slaves that they had, and uh, or at least the promise of doing so. And there were black people farming on land that they were said to have owned and then as time has progressed here we are in 2023 and there's under 33,000 farms that are owned and operated by black people in the nation and that means that we are now at about 1.2 percent of all farmland in this nation is owned by a black person that's a big problem and that directly correlates to our health because we don't understand this, the agrarian lifestyle from whence we've come. Our ancestors grew food. They grew food to feed the entire nation. So a lot of the, the know-how, the indigenous practices that came from those who roamed this land before us, and then when Africans were brought here after all of the Native Americans died, you know, we were then responsible for making sure that those families ate, making sure that all families ate, including ours. So that is really what I, I think about and the importance of black people farming and us getting back into this industry is because just the outdoors alone, black people have historically now in, in the late in the 2000s and in the 21st century have not enjoyed being outside. That's, that was like the, the stigma, like black people don't do outdoors. <laughs> you know, and it's like, wow, I, I'm I'm loving seeing how we're taking that narrative back and what I have created through agri through Farmer Jones Agripreneur cohort is the ability for black and brown people to have a place to know how to grow food, to know how not just to grow food, but also how to grow food and create a business from it so that we can get back into the rhythm of being a major part and influence of the agriculture industry in, in America. So that the face of it is not white male only, that we now have a stake in this. And, and the, the, the face of farming, it, somebody asked me this a, a few months ago and they say, what is the future of farming? And I said, the future of farming is black, point blank period. 
because it's a return and it's time for reclamation and it's time for us to be our healthiest and best selves. And we were that when we were growing food. And in that powerful explanation and historical context, it also brings me to your name because I feel like it speaks to your passion to recognize that farming isn't just one type of person. And so tell us why now, for those who are our international listeners, you have to actually hear what I'm saying. So it's Farmer John, which is J-A-W-N, agriculture. <laughs> and so <laughs> we may have, we have um, international as well as national listeners. So I want you to understand the power of the name Farmer John. Yes. Yeah, so John, as you explained, is spelled J-A-W-N, often mistaken for John, Farmer John, but uh, John is J-A-W-N and it's definitely pronounced John. It's a long A. And um, John is a word in Philadelphia that means that you, it means everything. <laughs> it means person, place, or thing. So let me see that John over there, or I'm going to that John, or can you meet me at that John? Like that's how we use that word very interchangeably. Uh, it's our slang that's now in the dictionary and has been adopted by other places as well. So when I think about that word, that means everything. And I paired it with farmer. It was a message to my community that anybody can farm and that anybody if you don't know how to farm or if you don't have interest, because again, we do live in America, we have things to do. People have careers, hobbies that they're more interested in. Everybody doesn't have to know how to grow their own food, but everybody absolutely deserves to know who their farmer is. And in order for that to even be possible, especially in urban communities, in order for that to be a possibility, we have to start to regenerate. We have to start to help people become farmers, especially people that look like us, because we are the representation. My position now and, and how I look at Farmer John is a very powerful one. I didn't used to let people call me Farmer John. I would be like, no, 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 that's not what it is. I'm not Farmer John. Farmer John is, you know, it's a message to the community. But people look at me and they say, that's Farmer John. And I, I take that very seriously now because I am now a representation that people that look like us, black or brown, can actually be able to create a, an, a business and it can become profitable and it can be scalable and I can show other people how to do that. You speak, so as you were talking, I think about a, a lot of work that I do in um, school settings uh, with nonprofits, any kind of nonprofit that touches the life of young people and families. We talk a lot about um, trauma healing and trauma-informed um, or responsive approaches. And there is such a healing component to being outside, mm -hmm. to gross motor movement, yeah. to touching and engaging in texture and soil. There's so many multiple layers of potential healing practice by just engaging, even if, if you don't want to start your own farm, but right. getting on, um, on the property and learning the practice. For those who have not seen 
or because of where they are can't actually see, I'd love for you to paint in your own words a picture of of Farmer John. Like what what could they experience as they walked onto the property? Yeah, and I have to say properties, and that's the yes, the yes, yes. Of what Farmer John? Thank you has for correcting become. me. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> You know, I think uh, my, my chief operating officer and I often have this talk is that one day we need to just do a bus tour for all those who come and visit us so we can take them to every iteration of what Farmer John is in this region. Um, and that's something we're definitely going to do because Farmer John is a multi-site business enterprise. Um, we, we've grown quite a bit and, and we go from having uh, five acres of land in uh, and right next to Philadelphia, literally one minute walk adjacent um, counties and then you you get head 45 minutes down to to Westchester Pennsylvania and you're at our 123 acre farm and then in between all of that we have our urban garden center where it's an oasis of plants and um, tools and education teaching people at a home level, on a much smaller scale, how you can grow your own food. We offer classes, all of that. Um, and then tons of events uh, just to, to bring people into comfort of knowing that, yes, you can grow. Yes, you do have the power. Let us show you how. Um, and if you're walking on any one of our actual farm locations, you have our, our farm team who's there and who's doing the work and who's setting up irrigation and putting lettuces and radishes in the ground. And, you know, there's so many different things happening, but the beauty of it all is that you see black people doing mostly all of that. <laughs> yeah. And we don't specifically try to hire black people to be very honest with you. That's who we attract. That's mm -hmm. literally who we attract. So through the majority of our application processes, um, we are always going to go with the person who has the that that makes meets our needs the best. And it just so happens that the people that show up the best for us when we do these interviews are black people. And um, and that's been really beautiful to see. And so that is what you get to see when you when you step onto a former drone property. Um, you get to see ad adversity in reverse. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the flip. That's the flip that you that's talk the, about. <laughs> that is the whole flip. Um, and just your narrative gives me a mental picture of um, new life, new opportunities. And you have such a deep commitment to not only creating an experience, but offering a great deal of education, um, whether it is their um, students or they are up and coming entrepreneurs. Can you walk us through that vision of education that's tied to your legacy? Absolutely. Um, and our volunteers, like I, I think that's a huge part of it because at every every point when you step onto a Farmer John uh, parcel, you are going to leave better than you came. You're going to leave better edu educated than, it, than you were when you showed up. Um, and that's just about empowerment. You know, our job is to get your hands right in the soil immediately. And if you're coming to Farmer John, you can anticipate there's going to be some soil around that you are going to get dirty. Um, but 
But as you were talking about that from the health perspective, those microbes in that soil are doing something for you, for every part of you, your, your physical, uh, your mental, all of that. So when we get to, to allow people to, to step onto our place um, for the benefit of, yes, assisting us in, in many ways and capacity, but they're also leaving <clears throat> unlearned, you know, they're starting to unlearn what they always have been told, telling themselves that we don't do soil, we don't do outdoors, I don't touch dirt, all that kind of stuff. And that, yes, you are empowered. You can grow your own food and you can be healthier for it. Oh, I love the the concept of unlearning. There are so many um, trauma memories and triggers, um, lies and um, untruths that... Yeah have become adopted into our stories. And this is an opportunity to not only unlearn it, but replace it with a mm-hmm. story of empowerment and intentionality. Oh, this has been, I'm just so excited. And we're only halfway through. I tell yeah. you, y'all, <laughs> it is time um, for us to get ready to take a break. And before we take a break, uh, can you, just make sure that we know the website address that people can begin to kind of look at and explore the wealth of things that you are offering. Yes, we're actually in between websites, but one is Farmer John Philly, and that's J-A-W-N, philly.com. And our other one is new. We're about to launch it, so I'm going to give you a secret. It's farmerjohn.co, and that's our newest website, which will be launching very soon. And there you have it. You got the inside secret, (laughs) y'all. So as we get ready to take um, this first break, begin to think about how could I or what commitment do I want to make to my own health journey and change I am willing to begin to take because I'm worth it. Mm. I am worth showing up whole and well, and more importantly, the assignment that is on your life is too important for you to show up broken and beat down. This entire series, season, I'm going to challenge you every single episode to ask yourself the question, do I want to be well? And what do I need to do to get there? I'll give you some time to think about it while we're on this first break. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up 
through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame, to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We have been having a conversation with Krista Barfield, Farmer John, and her passion, her desire to reinvent the corner store, to reconnect black and brown people to the soil, and to bring us into continued context of what she shared in part one. Krista, I'd like for you to share with us what impact, thinking about everything that you've just shared, what impact do you hope Farmer John has on the health disparities of Black and Brown communities? Yeah, I mean, that's such a big question. And really, it's a driver for everything that I do. Um, because health disparities, people automatically think about physical health. Um, but when I look at health, our organization is broken out into three pillars of health. And those are environmental that's the physical health, yes, and it's also social health when it gets down into, into race issues. And I believe that agriculture has the ability and uh, with the right pressure, it can impact all three of those. And they all should work together. And I talk a lot about how, you know, we there's all these, Philadelphia is in the middle of a mayoral race and a city council and all of that. And, you know, when we're talking about getting agriculture up to be of importance, and to be in the forefront and everyone's talking about gun violence. And I'm like, gun violence is specifically, that is a health disparity for black and brown people, especially in urban communities. And if we're talking about how we fix that, that means that we need to look at what unmet needs are in the community that is causing all of this violence. The unmet need, one, is that there, people can't afford food to begin with. Uh, another one is that our communities are full of trash. You know, it just mm -hmm. continues to go on. Yeah. As I look at Philadelphia having over 40,000 empty lots, and I know other metropolitans and other communities all over the world are are also dealing with this issue of, of refuse and trash um, and blight in their communities. And what would it, what could happen if we took these empty lots and we cleaned them and we greened them and actually put food, allowed food to grow. But not only do we do that, another unmet need is that the people in the community should feel empowered to take care of it and they should be paid to do so. They should be paid to feed their own community, which then, what does that do? Take us back to our agrarian lifestyles, back to how our ancestors did things and, and recreate this village mentality where we flourished. Yes. And so yes. that just doesn't even yes. touch on, that. that's just focusing on environmental and then how it impacts back to our physical and then back to the social issues of health. But 
eating food, food is medicine. Food is absolutely medicine. And, and it impacts us uh, within our bodies, but also within our minds. You know, there are most of the food being grown in the nation is full of glyphosate. And glyphosate, for those who aren't familiar, is a chemical that's found. It's the active ingredient in Roundup. Roundup is the number one weed killer in America. And that's all due to marketing. So when I think about the food that people are, are used to eating, I, I have conversations with uh, food marketers. You know, how you are marketing foods is directly correlated to why this nation as a, a large is unhealthy, is the one of the unhealthiest nations in the world because of how y'all are marketing unnutritious items um, and, and how the government allows food to be grown. So there's just so many conversations, but what Farmer Joint is, is doing, and we're gonna use Philadelphia as a model so that we can show other people the right way to do this. We're gonna grow the food. The reason why I took on this large project of having over a hundred acres was because I needed to be able to have more space outside of just what we have in Philadelphia to be able to grow enough food to impact the entire region's food system. And that's really, I'm taking that on myself that what everybody else is doing, we don't even know. And, and everybody listening, you probably don't even know that your food is coming from 1,500 miles to that, that grocery store that you're going to. It took, it took 1,500 miles for it to get there. Wow. So you should be eating food that's, that's directly in your own neighborhood. And we can do that. We can help you do that. So if I create a model, which what Farmer John is, that you could be eating food that's only grown with under an hour from where you're where you live and we can impact a city as large as 1.5 million people just letting them know that and then also training other people to do what we do there's no way we can't we can't win and uh and that's what it really comes down to making sure that we can create mechanisms so that food can truly be medicine absolutely and um address multiple social issues at the same time. You have um, committed to not only um, in, in a, a platform sense, educating others around um, the soil, farming, agriculture, um, the power and importance of food. But I've actually watched you in the presence of young people. There was one um, video, it was so it was so cute and funny at the same time. And student pulled um, the the plant out of the ground. And he was like, well, what is this? <laughs> and he said, that's a that's a turnip. That's a turnip, and that's the best food. You cook that up, that is the best food you'll ever eat. And he was holding on to it, looking at looking at it. I was like, oh, our young people can't identify particular vegetables. What, what programming currently do you offer for young people? And what do you want specifically young people to be able to do after they have encountered Farmer John? Yeah, I, I just love working with youth. I love, I just love it because uh, that's one of my favorite clips because yeah, they asked like, what is this? And I said, this is a turnip. And if you roast it, she's like, what do you do with it? And I said, you roast it. 
it's gonna be the best thing you ever ate. <laughs> and I truly, truly believe that because you know, even carrots, if you ask someone, you know, where do carrots come from? Children, um, even young adults, you know, they'll say from the grocery store because they don't necessarily connect the fact that farmers or, or how our food even comes into fruition. So, you know, what I love about teaching children and teaching young adults um, through our school-based programming initiative that Farmer Joan has under our nonprofit is um, the ability to see kids come to the farm and pick mulberries right off the tree and pop them right in their mouth for them not to think that things have to be, uh, if it's coming out of good soil um, or if it's literally a, a leaf, you know, showing them what arugula is and how there's natural spice to it and having them eat directly from the farm. You know, we're so used to a, a different level of, of, we don't know what clean really is when we're thinking about food that's actually grown properly. So like I'll have a, a snap pea and I'll eat it right, right off the plant. And I'm, people are looking at me like, you're not going to watch that? And I'm like, no, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> now, if it's something that was in the ground, like a, a root vegetable, I am going to watch that. But if it's something, a leaf that's above soil, a tomato that was grown above soil, these are things that you can pot right off and just eat so that you can taste what you've grown, so that you can have that instant gratification of the labor that you put into to growing and nurturing this plant. Um, so, and that's what I love for our youth to be able to see, because if the youth really truly believe that if their food is grown closer to them, that it tastes better. And then it just, it's a plus for them that it happens to be better for them. And then they, this, this, this generation is, is something else. I think we're at generation Y now, like that generation, they speak up for themselves. They believe in environmental sustainability. Um, they're just a different breed and I love seeing them partake and get to be on our farm and put their hands in soil because it's an awakening and, and that awakening is going to dictate the rest of all of our lives. I love having conversations of, about our young people because you are absolutely right in their ability to recognize my voice has power, I can make decisions, being able to plus and minus, have so much information accessible to them um, and, and recognizing that they have an opportunity to actually make decisions that are purposeful. They're actually more committed to things that have purpose than um, fluff. And so it, it is awesome to get connected with young people and watch that energy grow. And I've also seen you work directly with entrepreneurs and being very intentional in helping them also understand how to build businesses. What are some key things that you would share with entrepreneurs in this season and time? It's the plan. I always start with a business plan. Yeah, so our entrepreneur cohort, um, we take on, last year was our first year actually launching this, and that's another program that's offered through Farmer Joan and Friends Foundation, which is our nonprofit, our 501c3, and we had seven cohort members last year. We have another seven this year, and the first thing that we do when I sit down with each one of them doing our one-on-ones is we talk about the business plan, and I always talk to them about understanding how they want to structure their business. And I say, do you want to be a McDonald's or do you want to be a Walmart? <laughs> and that question uh, always gets people. They're like, what is she talking about? 
Oh, and so I love to dig in and maybe when we have time, if we have time, I'd love to be able to dig into that for your listeners. Um, But I really get into the knit and grit and the analyticals behind running a business. And that's I'm able to do that because that's what I did for somebody else's business for so long. And I did it in the realm of healthcare and differentiation, how you want to structure your business, what makes you great. What makes you great? What is your, what makes you unique? And let me help you build a plan around that. And when I see my favorite part of business planning with my agripreneur cohort is the mission statement. When we sit down and we go through words and verbiage and we're like, we're building your mission statement from scratch mm-hmm. and they walk away three hours later with a full mission statement, their first one, because you know, that's just the first draft. <laughs> <laughs> But but they're so proud. They're so mm-hmm. proud when they get to read those two to three or four sentences of their mission statement. They're like, oh, my goodness, like they are now empowered. And that was literally me just taking a few hours out of my time to, to do that with them. And so now that potentially could be a person that can now do that for somebody else. Yes. And that's what it's all about. That vision of um, cohort of community, it literally, I I watched the video of everyone and and they were outside y'all. I was just like, this is just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) We're even just talking, just having a lesson about entrepreneurship outside. Um, (laughs) and, And I also wanted to make sure, because we can go back to the Walmart versus McDonald's um, conversation, um, because I also want to make sure people understand that when we're talking about entrepreneurship or and um, agripreneurship, it is not just directly being a farmer. It is okay. it's it's the the way that can it can all connect together. So how could the um, farming of this location feed into your tea company or your um, company over here that that is actually selling produce? It it creates a very intentional connection, community and empowerment of networking that I don't think people really understand the true use of networking. It's not just about passing out or connect, collecting business cards. It's actually creating a network of support, um, of integrity, of accountability. And I feel like as I've watched and done my homework on Farmer John that that that's at the core, some of the conversations I overheard. Um, how do you do this with integrity as you build your mission and your vision? So when you ask that question, like what what are you hoping they understand? Now we only got five minutes, but I need them to understand this. So what are you hoping they understand better from that question? Uh, and specifically, is do you want to be a McDonald's or a mm-hmm. Walmart? Mm-hmm. It's the who are the power holders in our community? If you think about the how a business begins and how it evolves, two different distinct differences. Uh, it comes back to land. It all comes back to land. And that's really what that question is about. Uh, this story, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to frame it so it fits in this time frame. So uh, this opportunity in Westtown, I'll, I'll just give you the quick gist is that I was 
on a call with a number of other farmers and uh, there was an echo from the black farmers on that call that said, or black people that had interest in growing in a farm enterprise that said, if I cannot own this land right now, I don't want it. Mm. And I, looking at understanding business at a different in a different way, and I said, that's not strategy. Because if I am looking to build something that is scalable, everybody that owns businesses, they don't own their own real estate because that's not always beneficial to the ultimate goal and the plan. And being a farmer, I don't have to own my own real estate. I don't because what I'm producing on this land is what's the most valuable for me right now. I can always, after I build this business and I make it a multi-million dollar business, then I can go have my choice of what parcel I want at that point. Maybe I do want this, maybe I don't. But what Walmart does, if you notice, is that most of the time they're in shopping centers. Those shopping centers are not owned by them. They are, they are renting. So there's this like bad connotation against renting in America as well that we can get into that another time. <laughs> but renting is not a bad thing at all. In many ways, it's actually more fiscally responsible than actually having ownership over a home or land or any piece of real estate. However, McDonald's, they are in the real estate business. Those, those locations that you see are franchises. And those franchises are operated by owners. Yes, they are people that are running a business and they own the business and they make money from that business. But those people who are franchising do not own that land that that McDonald's is built on. McDonald's owns that land. And so with that, and that's not all of their locations. There are unique situations, but the majority of the time, McDonald's is owning their building, they're owning that space. And so when I ask people, do you want to be a person who's having ownership over the land, we can get you there. Let's write the proper business plan for that. Or would you like to start out as a renter or do you always want to be a renter? Let's talk about that and see where, where you are right now, what your finances look like and where you want to go. And let's make sure we're, we're looking at both of those concepts so that and understanding how they both do business and how they do business within their network. That word network is your net worth. So that's important. And then we can actually make sure that you are successful on the outlook. Getting intentional so that the way you are building your business, you are actually building it. It's not just happening. And so that you're making really key decisions at every step of the way. I can't let us um, in our time together without talking about Viva Leaf Tea, because I'm a tea drinker. So I was... <laughs> I absolutely want to make sure um, everyone understands we've got about three minutes. Um, so tell us about Viva Leaf Tea. Yes, Viva Leaf Tea is actually my first baby, <laughs> I will say. It's the first company that I actually birthed. Uh, and I like to say that my brands are Earthborn. And it's because that every brand that, that I have now and will come from me in the future will always start with agriculture. It'll always start with the planet. And every single thing that we consume, the houses that we live in, the clothes that we wear, it all started as a seed or a plant somewhere. And so I always try to make sure people understand that agriculture is so important. And so when I was thinking about how I was going to fund my company and I wanted to be a farmer, I hopped off a plane from a trip and now I'm a farmer, right? And so I'm like, how do I do this without going into debt? And if farming is considered to be this pauper occupation, as, as you would hear it, you know, all over 
how we've been taught, right, is that we've been indoctrinated to believe that farmers don't make any money. So how can I go about that differently? Because what I saw in Martinique, those black farmers was making some money. So I want to do that here in America. And so I was like, you know, before I get into figuring out how I'm going to own land and all of that, I'm going to start really small and I'm going to grow some herbs. And I took my very small backyard and concrete backyard at that in Germantown section of Philadelphia. And I put a four by six foot greenhouse back there, having no knowledge of how to grow a thing, never touching soil before 2018. And I started to grow herbs. And then I started to look at what agriculture looked like in my community in Philadelphia. Were there any people that looked like me doing it? How were they funding themselves? And in the beginning, Farmer Drone was not a nonprofit. It was fully for fully profit for-profit and Be Believe Tea is for-profit to this day. And so I started to create a product. I made teas. I infused some honeys with my herbs, with my medicinal and wellness knowledge. And I put a product on the market, having little to no understanding of how to do that. And five years later, we're launched in all five local De Bruner Brother grocers. Um, and we only sell to specialty grocers in various regions. And we'll be launching in New York and New Jersey um, come this fall. Congratulations, my sister. I just love all things um, Farmer John and Viva Leaf Tea. And I feel like you have given us a lot to chew on, (laughs) a lot to really digest and become more accountable to. We've got about one minute left. What is the upcoming class or way that people can connect? One minute. The best thing to do is to go onto our website. Our teas are available online and we ship worldwide. Um, please come visit us for our grand opening on April 22nd. That's going to be at our large farm. That's 120 acres. And uh, just know that you are in charge of your own life. Don't be afraid to do something wrong. Um, do it afraid would be my, my biggest uh, tip that I want to leave everybody with. Thank you for I the love time, it. Dr. Jackson. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And and with our last 30 seconds, I want you to give us that that insider new website yes. address. Give yes. that to our listeners one more time. Yes. And if you're by your computer, pull it up now. It's actually available, but it's farmer John F-A-R-M-E-R-J-A-W-N dot C O. Absolutely fantastic. Well, I'm I'm so excited because our kickoff conversation exceeded my expectations around beginning this conversation of we must take back our health. I actually mm-hmm. don't care what your skin color is. You deserve the opportunity to be healthy and whole mm-hmm. and check out all things Farmer John, from her clothing to her teas, and absolutely the opportunity to donate and support the work that she is doing. Well, episode one of season eight is done, and we want you right back here, same time, same place, right here on the flip side next week. We'll see you then. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Voice America TRN. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in?
Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Doodling as a spiritual practice? This new form of mindfulness therapy allows your spirit to rest, relax, and regroup from the stresses of everyday life. The good news is you don't have to be a trained artist. The only qualification you need is feeling overwhelmed with life's challenges. Doodling is simple, inexpensive, and all you need is pen and paper. If you are ready to quiet your mind and acquire a new life management skill, then pick up Carol Edmonston's book, The Healing Power of Doodling, today. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.